You're listening to The Frankie Files, FrankieFilesPodcast.com. The Frankie Files Podcast is researched, written, recorded, and edited by me, Frankie Tees, a 12-year cult survivor and first-hand account expert on the tactics of cults. The Frankie Files Podcast is all about cult survivors, information on how we can better our lives with what we've experienced. But I'm opening up a new channel and I invite you to join me. FrankieTees.substack.com Ongoing reports of cults in the news. There's so much going on. I can't wait to bring this information to you. So sign up now. FrankieTees.substack.com Thank you so much for listening and telling others. Follow me on Reddit at FrankieTees and on Twitter at FrankieTees for supplemental discussion. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 12 of The Frankie Files. Today I want to explore something that's been a battle for me personally since I left the cult I was in for about 12 years. Remember that's 86, 87 so it's been a long time coming for me to address some of this stuff. This episode is about sleep deprivation. Some of the benefits I'm getting from doing this podcast is exploring side effects of my time in a religious cult. Being in as a kid, as many of us were, there were damages incurred that we may not have even been aware of at all at the time. And each fourth Friday, I try to address issues regarding adult children of cults, cult kids. This is one of those. Now, if you didn't live on site, you might not have experienced this. Sleep deprivation is one of those things for me, but I've only recently barely made the connection from sleep deprivation to muscle memory. Wow, this is kind of important. So when I was a dance instructor, I learned that the body remembers things through muscle. It's not just the brain, but muscle. I would teach people about repetition of new moves to get the body to memorize them and put those learned new moves on autopilot. That's muscle memory. There were even problems sometimes with new students who were very athletic who had trouble remembering dance moves. I was teaching them because they already had competing muscle memory such as hiking or jiu-jitsu or other forms of dance. I'm now just barely discovering that muscle memory is part of my sleep deprivation, and I want to get into that today with you. First, let's start with some research on sleep deprivation and its known uses by cults and other high-demand groups and torture, and then we'll get into the connection I've recently made to muscle memory. If you were in a cult like me, lived on premise, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Disruption of the children's and adults who lived in a commune setting were not ever even considered. Healthy living and rest were inconsequential, just like privacy, something you simply have to live through to understand. Now, people who lived through a dorm life or college group like fraternity or sorority also may have encountered this. People who lived through the army or military, basic boot camp training, a gang, or any high-control group, high-demand group, also have encountered this. Sleep deprivation is also a known tactic used in war on POWs as a method of torture that leaves no mark. That's why they like it. It's a no-touch torture that can break a person. It can even kill a person, and we'll get into that later. Noise harassment mixed with sleep deprivation can put the mind into orbit and make it go places it might not come back from. 
According to the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, sleep is important to a number of brain functions, including how nerve cells, neurons, communicate with each other. In fact, your brain and body stay remarkably active while you sleep. Recent findings suggest that sleep plays a housekeeping role that remove toxins in your brain that build up while you're awake. Everybody needs sleep, but its biological purpose remains a mystery. Sleep affects almost every type of tissue and system in the body, from the brain, heart, and lungs, to metabolism, immune function, mood, and disease resistance. Research shows that a chronic lack of sleep or getting poor quality sleep increases the risk of disorders, including high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, and obesity. Sleep is a complex and dynamic process that affects how you function in ways scientists are now beginning to understand. So let me abbreviate the next part of this article. Certain areas of the brain are highly active during sleep. The hypothalamus, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, the thalamus, our cerebral cortex, the basal forebrain, our midbrain, and the amygdala. So the brain is managing and computing our health while we sleep. And obviously, if that doesn't happen on a regular basis, or if we never reach what is called REM, rapid eye movement, sleep, things can go very wrong. Another article I found at the National Institute of Health details more about sleep deprivation. NHLBI.NIH.GOV. Sleep deficiency can lead to physical and mental health problems, injuries, loss of productivity, and even greater likelihood of death. To understand sleep deficiency, it helps to understand what makes you sleep and how it affects your health. The symptoms of sleep deficiency may differ between children and adults. Children who are sleep deficient might be overly active and have problems paying attention. They also might misbehave and their school performance can suffer. Kids who grew up in cults, I know you're hearing me right now. Sleep deficiency is linked to many chronic health problems, including heart disease, kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke obesity, and depression. Wow, that is a lot. Now at journals.lww.com, the following is stated. Sleep is considered essential for muscle recovery, mainly due to its effect on hormone secretion. Are you guys with me? Total sleep deprivation or restriction is known to alter not only blood hormones, but also cytokines that might be related to skeletal muscle recovery. This study aimed to evaluate whether total sleep deprivation after eccentric exercise-induced muscle damage, EE, IMD modifies the profiles of blood hormones and cytokines. Sleep debt is associated with an increase in catabolic hormones and a reduction in anabolic hormones, leading us to postulate that partial or complete sleep deprivation could, in some way, disrupt skeletal muscle homeostasis and affect its recovery and or adaption after exercise. Hmm. So lack of good sleep even affects our body functions during waking hours and affects muscle recovery. That's already a lot of daytime effects from lack of sleep. I'm having flashbacks right now. On a side note, I was sleep deprived for three to four years straight. I know a lot of you cult kids 
can relate. A blog I found called MyEyeSense.com covers the topic well too. The brain consolidates during REM sleep, which takes place about 90 minutes after you fall asleep. With that in mind, Psychology Today contributor Richard E. Sidowick, MD, recommends that students go to bed early and get seven to eight hours of sleep each night. So when you want to store a new skill or process in your muscle memory, pat yourself on the back and call it a night. Doctor's orders. Aha, so there is a connection to sleep and muscle memory. On the website ncbi.nlm.nih.gov, Yavuz Selvi of the Turkish Neuropsychiatric Society also weighs in on this topic. They focus on reporting results of their clinical sleep studies. Check this out. According to the results of our study, sleep deprivation for one night was determined to cause decrease on depressive mood, increase disassociative symptoms, and to lower the tendency of suppressing the unwanted thoughts consciously. Whoa, wait a minute. There's a golden key right there on why a cult or conditioning torture or mind control actor would want us to have sleep deprivation. It really lowers the natural defenses of the mind. God, I wish I knew this back then. For the brainiacs listening, it says, there's an interrelation between sleep, energy, metabolism, and thyroid functions. Thyroid stimulation hormone T8 TSH release has a significant pulsatile profile. Sleep causes a fracture in the HPA axis and sleep deprivation leads to a powerful increase in TSH and related thyroid hormones with an increase in thyroid releasing hormones. Okay, so now we're seeing that the thyroid is not functioning as it should during sleep deprivation. This is getting kind of crazy. I surfed next to medicinenet.com to seek answers on recovering from years of sleep deprivation. According to research, people who are sleep deprived are involved in 6,000 fatal car crashes each year. They are also at 50% higher risk for obesity because immunity declines from lack of sleep. People who are sleep deprived have a higher chance of developing heart disease, 48% higher. Check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. They also are three times more likely to catch a cold. Moreover, lack of sleep affects your brain and emotions. For instance, if you don't get sufficient sleep, you have 33% increased chance of dementia. You also have an increased risk of depression, anxiety, and irritability. Cures include spend 20 to 30 minutes each day exercising at least 5 to 6 hours before bedtime. 
avoid caffeine, alcohol, and nicotine. But let's get a bit deeper. How is it truly dangerous to our health? How does it affect the inner workings of the delicate balance of the body? Well, according to coltbox.co.uk, one serious side effect of sleep deprivation is that it interferes with your emotional and cognitive functions. The first emotional impact of sleep deprivation is on positive emotions. People who are sleep deprived tend to stop displaying positive emotions on their faces. They seem to always be grumpy and hardly smile. They may say that they are happy, but their facial expressions do not replicate the sentiments. In addition, sleep deprived individuals have a tough time detecting positive emotions in others, and they do not tolerate disappointment very well. That's a lot of impact already. A disconnect from positive emotions is a lot to sacrifice. Almost like we do not have the energy to be positive. How about that? It's a scientific thing. Another dangerous side effect of sleep deprivation is the constant occurrence of micro-sleeps. Even a single night of sleep deprivation can result in one undergoing this phenomenon. Microsleep is where an individual falls into a mini snooze for 30 seconds. Some people don't even close their eyes when they fall into a microsleep, but they're essentially blind because they can't process any information during this time. During a microsleep session, the brain uncontrollably and rapidly falls into a sleep state without any warning. One can force themselves to wake up, find themselves in another microsleep shortly afterwards. The condition is particularly hazardous if one is behind the wheel or handling heavy machinery. Delirium is another dangerous side effect of sleep deprivation, especially if lack of sleep is a regular occurrence. Delirium is when an individual feels and acts completely disoriented, where they exhibit bizarre behavior. Delirium has been observed in patients who are in the intensive care unit. The lights and sound in the ICU continue the entire day nonstop, which hinders the patient from sleeping. The patients experience a phenomenon known as ICU delirium, where patients behave irrationally and some more irrationally. When they're finally transferred from ICU, their behavior changes as they achieve more sleep. Hallucinations have also been known to occur in people who are not receiving enough sleep. Let me interject. Hello, cult leaders gotta love delirium, right? Chronic sleep deprivation causes misperceptions and hallucinations in many people, where they see things that cannot possibly be there or imagine that they're having conversations with people when, in fact, nothing of that sort is even happening. Hallucinations are indications that the brain is not processing information clearly because it's not getting as much rest as it needs in order to function properly. So these are details about sleep deprivation when it's not intended or based on short-term noisy environments. What about when a cult leader forces that on us? I once was made to stay up well over 48 hours to compete with other members on who could stay awake the longest while we completed projects. That game truly puts us off balance and mixed with a constant irregular sleep environment and schedule, which I also endured, what's that about? 
According to psychologytoday.com, under Dreaming in the Digital Age, the first signs of sleep deprivation are unpleasant feelings of fatigue, irritability, and difficulties concentrating. Then come problems with reading, speaking clearly, poor judgment, lower body temperature, and a considerable increase in appetite. If the deprivation continues, the worsening effects include disorientation, visual misperceptions, apathy, severe lethargy, and social withdrawal. I can definitely attest to that. Researchers have never pushed experiments on humans past 180 hours of sleep deprivation. Various behavioral impairments accumulate along the way as the deprivation continues, but if the experiment is pushed far enough, the final result is always a widespread physiological failure leading to death. Wow. The cumulative effects of sleep deprivation go beyond the loss of this or that specific function to a precipitous, ultimately fatal decline in all functions. Part of the reason for this calamitous breakdown is that during sleep, the immune system performs a host of vital regenerative functions that are absolutely necessary for a healthy mind and body in waking life. When a person is deprived of sleep, the immune system becomes unable to perform these functions. The negative effects become much more intense when people are already sick, injured, or traumatized. Whatever bodily damage they have suffered will not heal as fast. Whatever pain they're feeling will get worse. Whatever new bodily damage threatens them will be harder to defend against. This is significant, guys. Whatever sounds come out of people's mouths at that point, whatever words they may seem to be saying, have to count as the least reliable kind of information one could possibly conceive. A mind tortured to that extremity will not provide anything that can be trusted as relevant to the world. Even if the person really knew some vital bit of information, like the location of a ticking time bomb, prolonged sleep deprivation will make it less likely the person could accurately and meaningfully communicate that information. Beyond a certain point, the sleep deprivation individual can no longer maintain enough cognitive coherence to say anything useful to anyone. Extreme sleep deprivation of the kind reportedly practiced by the CIA torture is torture by any reasonable definition of the term. Furthermore, it's probably an essentially useless form of torture since the likelihood of gaining actionable intelligence from people will diminish the longer they're deprived of sleep. Now, Relating this to occult experience, stepping out of the article for a moment, we would be in groups pushing to attain some sort of realization. Of course, looking back at it now, it was surely torture to wear us down to agree to whatever was said. The repetition of words during these long sessions were a haze in memory. The normal defenses of the mind were gone. I can remember that. And so we were very impressionable. That's a terribly cruel means of going about indoctrination. And of course, very effective. Only those who were already surrendered to the will of the master were subject to this type of session because they could say it was our free will by which we participated. I experienced this stuff as a young adult. Now let's talk about muscle memory. Remember, I have just recently realized the connection to sleep deprivation and muscle memory. Let me explain. I've recently discovered that when I am sleep deprived now, as an adult, say by staying up too late, reading or a noisy neighbor or random events, I become anxious as my muscle memory recalls having been sleep deprived 
and going into the twilight zone while in the cold for several years. That's a pretty big revelation and a very unpleasant one too. So initially the sleep deprivation makes me anxious and it's a trigger to all that past anxiety put on me by my master. I never really paid attention to this as I had always been trying to forget, not inspect my past. But I'm doing this for us all because we need to learn from the adverse effects that took place in a cult. The connection for me was only because of dance. Learning about muscle memory is something I encountered years ago as a dance instructor. When I did my research on it before, it was so I could help people learn new dance moves and get through any difficulty they were having in learning. It was part of my job. I'm now gaining from that personally again. I realized that my poor body has memory in my muscles of the pain and irritation that sleep deprivation caused me in my teens and early 20s while I was in Morningland Church. That's quite a shock to figure out. I knew I wanted to avoid lack of sleep and have employed various methods in my life to do so. Sometimes I drank too much to knock myself out. Sometimes I used marijuana and sometimes I used NyQuil. I also have made sure to drink chamomile tea, make sure to bike and walk or work out at least 30 minutes a day to avoid any restlessness at night. But to think that the muscle memory triggered me was beyond me until now. Sleep deprivation torture is quite literally one of the most cruel things we could endure. The anxiety to avoid it is literally in my body. It's as memory evoking as feeling good while biking, and that brings back all pleasant memories or anxiety of getting into a car if you've experienced a car crash. The memories that flood back as you have sex a certain way and things you want to avoid because those memories are not only in our brain, they're also in our muscle. Let's get into muscle memory. The very best article I found on this was at Jeb Health. Articles.jebhealth.com, 2017. The science behind muscle memory. What is muscle memory? They say, picture a scenario where you decided to build muscle and get in shape. It takes four months of hard work, but you get there in the end. Suddenly, you injure yourself or you lose motivation to work out and all your progress goes down the drain. A couple more months later, you decide to get back to it. This time, it only takes two months to reach the level of fitness you were at before instead of four. Why is it easier and takes less time to get in shape if you had already done it before? Another term for muscle memory is procedural memory. The concept of muscle memory does not just pertain to working out. It manifests itself in a lot of other activities in our lives. For example, why is it so easy for some of us to ride a bike after years of not participating? Or why do we get faster at typing things on a keyboard over time? Muscle memory or procedural memory is a phenomenon that occurs after frequent repetition of an action. These repetitive actions are enough to turn a manual action, which requires conscious thought and effort, into something that is automatic and requires no conscious thought or effort. Brain or muscles. Where is the muscle memory or procedural memory stored? In the brain or in the muscle? The answer is both. Muscle memory is encoded through frequent repetitions. The more you engage in an activity, the more your brain and body familiarize itself with it. This familiarization is stored in your long-term memory in two main ways. The first is through the cerebellum in the brain, 
and the second is within the muscle cells, cerebellum. You would not be wrong in saying that your memory is stored in your brain. The question comes down to what type of memory this is and where in the brain this information is stored. As mentioned before, muscle memory or procedural memory is a type of long-term memory. These are essentially the memories of forming a certain task or skill. They're stored in the Purkinje cells of the cerebellum, where the brain encodes and records information. The cerebellum receives information from your sensory systems, the spinal cord, and other parts of the brain, and then regulates your motor movements. This is how you know to mix your knowledge of performing a skill with your current incoming senses. Another system responsible for the effortlessness in our ability to perform automatic action is actually within the muscles themselves. This is more relevant to what happens after you stop training after a period of time and how you can get back in shape much faster than before. More nuclei growth is facilitated within the muscle when you first exercise and start to train. The nuclei you have in your muscle helps develop more tissue and build more muscle. It is, in short, these nuclei that are responsible for muscle synthesis. When you first start training, a certain amount of time is required to build, expand, and duplicate these nuclei. Once you stop training, the duplication of these nuclei ceases, and for a long time, it was thought these nuclei simply died over time. However, newer research shows that even after years of not training, these nuclei still remained in the muscles. The result is an easier and shorter path to getting back in shape. The body remembers the shape it was in before, and those nuclei are still in the muscle and are simply reactivated. Instead of the body having to proceed and grow more nuclei from scratch, this is one of the reasons why it's easier and faster to get back in shape if you've been in shape before. Encoding and storing. There are three methods of increasing your chances of effectively encoding muscle memory. These methods should aid in encoding and storing accurate and, and correct muscle memory. Repetition. It is necessary to repeat the action, just like the saying, practice makes perfect. It's repetition of the action that makes it easier over time. The more you do something, the more likely you are to remember it. Attention. Attention is also extremely crucial. The phrase mentioned before, practice makes perfect, can be altered slightly here to perfect practice makes perfect. If you're not paying attention and repeat an incorrect action too many times, you run the risk of putting bad habits into your muscle memory. Oh, I remember that as a dance instructor. You have to catch them really early from memorizing it incorrectly. Back to the article. In order to fully take advantage of this concept, it's important to focus on pay attention to encoding and learning and letting your body remember the correct thing. Sleep. Sleep helps to clear the unimportant information gathered throughout the day. It's hard to remember anything new if your brain is filled with rubbish. Sleep regularly and let your brain clear out the trash so there is room for more information. More on the consequences of sleep deprivation here. Okay, here's the connection, guys. Here it comes. Muscle memory might seem like an abstract concept, but the truth is it's present almost everywhere. It's present in how we tie our shoes, how we turn our doorknob, or even driving. Without it, we would be like children learning how to do things for the first time. Okay. Let me comment. I'm thinking about anything that remotely looks like a sit-down session. That's a trigger because those would be traumatic to my family in the church we attended. 
Sit-down sessions may turn into torture sessions for hours. I recently read a great article by Dan Lawton on the dangers of meditation. The article is on Substack and Lawton is spelled L-A-W-T-O-N. It's an incredibly candid look into how he experienced a severe cognitive detachment while in a very long-term solo meditation at a seminar, and then he couldn't reconnect to himself. Some of this stuff is dangerous, folks. We're toying with the mind and its very awareness of itself. It's a great read. I recommend it. In relation to muscle memory and the anxiety that can come from having a bad meditation experience, I relate because Morningland Church would do guided meditations and I literally would be feeling like, wait, where are we going? Check out that article. Those of you who are survivors of meditation or metaphysical groups may have similar triggers to me. If you hear chanting, sitting in a circle, holding hands, or in a church that sings and worships in that way, sitting and psychologically analyzing every single memory or word, these things are muscle memories for us that are deeply stored, as described in the previous article. Making new activities and avoiding past ones is clearly imperative to our mental health. Sleeping also is clearly imperative to giving the brain what it needs to function properly. And while the psychiatric industry may feel that drugs are an answer to a cult survivor, I am very sure that learning about why we suffer the effects is even more powerful than any drug could be in helping manage the long-term effects we live with. Do you hear that, cult kids? I really hope this helps and that you can find nuggets of information in this broadcast that allow you to apply healing techniques applicable to your specific situation. As always, thank you for listening to this podcast. I'd ask you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you download as it helps the show grow. Sustainability is what I'm after. I will at least in the first year have periodic guests on the podcast, so stay tuned for that too. Above all, stay healthy. Stay well and use all that you can to live a balanced and stress-free life. Because, hey, stress kills. I'm Frankie Tees and it's been a pleasure. Check out FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com Follow me on Reddit at Frankie Tees and on Twitter at Frankie Tees. The Frankie Files podcast is researched, written, recorded, and edited by me, Frankie Tees, a 12-year cult survivor and first-hand account expert on the tactics of cults. If you would like information on cults in the news, please join my new Substack, frankietees.substack.com. Until next time.